the study is in Revelation chapter 18. Um, we do a little, a little bit of a, a prologue because I have three things basically that we're going to talk about tonight. Um, and the actual topic is called Redeeming the Time. And so uh, as a reminder, there's three things that I, I wanted to point out. Uh, the first one, that God is in control, right? And he has a plan. Uh, as Henry mentioned, uh, the jet team went out last weekend, and that was kind of the introduction, right? Because we look around in the world, and we wonder what's going on, right? But we, as Christians, we need to be reminded that God is in control, right? It may not look like it. We may not understand it, but his plan is unfolding before our very eyes. Uh, the second thing to remember is that Paul encouraged us that we need to redeem the time. Right? Ephesians 5.16, he points out, because the days are evil. And so God wants us to be working. Right? He, he has a plan, and we are part of that plan. Uh, again, as Henry pointed out, we don't need much reminder uh, that the days are evil, right? We look around, the school shootings, you can watch the news for just five minutes and realize that evil abounds. Um, we can debate solutions all we want, um, but the one thing I know, the only resolution is Jesus, right? And that's one thing I will not debate. Uh, Jesus is the only solution. In fact, we see people protesting and marching and uh I think they should be out there saying, no Jesus, no peace, right? That should be the protest. That should be what we're talking about. Um, and we've seen that many times, right? Without Jesus, there's no peace. But those who have Jesus, who know Jesus, then we know his peace and his rest and his comfort. Uh, the third thing to point out uh, in regards to Revelation 18 is that the world is dying, right? And, and everything in it. Um, there are many who are misled, deceived, and lied to. But in fact, the Bible says in Ephesians 2.12 that those without God are hopeless in the world. And think about that. If you don't have Christ, there is no hope. That used to be my dilemma when I was younger. Right? That was my fear. Like, if, there, if God does not exist, then what is it? Right and, and if you really think deeply, ultimately life is pointless without Christ. And that can be a scary thought. Okay, but we are encouraged by Second Peter three nine that says God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Right? Everyone. And so as long as we're alive, as long as they're alive, there's always hope. And that's God's heart. Right? That needs to be our heart today. And so we need to be out involved. That should be our motivation, right? And so three things that we can do. Number one is prayer. Right? In prayer, we can intercede for the lost. In prayer, we can get closer to God. In prayer, we can get direction from God. But we can only do that if we listen. Right? We can spend an hour in prayer, but if we don't listen, then we're kind of being selfish because we're not allowing God to speak to our hearts. And so that prayer is, in a sense, wasted. 
Again, think about it. He didn't save us, right? So we can be uncomfortable, sit back and say, well, I'm going to heaven. No, he saved us as part of his plan so that he can use us for his glory. The other thing we need to do is be out witnessing, right? That's where redeeming the time comes in. What can we do? Prayer, listening to God, and out witnessing, sharing the gospel. In Matthew 5.16, Jesus said, Let your lights so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. God wants us out doing good works, right? So that when people see your conduct, when people see your joy, when people see your happiness and others don't, they can say, hey, brother or sister, what's, up, what's going on with you? What brings you that joy, right? And... Our job is to point them to God, that they may glorify our Father in heaven. And so we have to be out. We can't just be at home being comfortable. We have a privilege and a responsibility to God uh, to direct the lost to Him. Again, think about that. He is their only hope. And so witnessing doesn't necessarily mean speaking or evangelizing, although it can, because God gave us different gifts. But the word that Jesus uses is see. Okay? In Greek, it's edu, and it refers to your eye. So, number one, your actions. They want to see your good works, doing charity, uh, giving gifts, whatever it is, your good attitude, all to bring glory to God in heaven. And so, before we get into Revelation 18, just a little background. Uh, chapter 17 kind of lays out the details in regards to what is referred to as Babylon the Great, right? And Babylon the Great is basically the systems of the world, right? Politics, money, uh, economics, social, science, all the things that are in the world that God created, but man took glory for. And so in chapter 17, John is revealed to this Babylon the Great. Right? And again, uh, the angel who gives the revelation basically says that her time is coming. Right, Judgment is coming. And so that brings us to chapter 18 of Revelation. And if you'll turn with me there, that's where we'll begin. It says, uh, verse 1, After these things I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of her wrath, of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich, through the abundance of her luxury. And so again, Babylon the Great okay, represents politics, economics, science, religion, the systems of man, if you will, using God's creation. And so everything that exists is being operated without God, uh, apart from God, right? Because man has pushed God out. And so, 
that system, we're being told, is come crashing down. And again, if you look around throughout the world, we see this happening in our very eyes, right? Uh, we know that we're being pushed towards a one-world system. Uh, again, Revelation kind of gives us that plan. And that system is going to be what ushers into the Antichrist. All part of God's plan. Yes, it's evil. Yes, it's corrupt. But it's part of God's plan for judgment. Uh, today, I don't know if you are aware, American Airlines is part of what's called a One World Alliance. Right? Where multiple airlines are under this nation or this group that's called One World Alliance. Um, I noticed that a couple years ago as I flew and got off the plane. There's also a company that sells beef out of Buena Park, and they're called One World Beef. And so these are not coincidences, right? Because this is, we know, is coming. You see the bumper stickers that say, coexist, right? And it shows all the different symbolisms of various uh, religions, referring to the fact that we can all be equal, we can all go to heaven, all we need to do is love each other and get find out how to coexist. Unfortunately, that's a lie, right? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man or woman can come to the Father except through me. Right? In John chapter 14, he gave us that revelation. And so even now, as we watch our government, it seems like, that although they won't admit that, they're trying to level the playing ground, right? United States was once this superpower coming out of World War II. Um, we had a sense of good. We had a sense of God as a nation. But we don't see that anymore, right? We're, we're moving far from that. In fact, it seems their agenda is that we would be equal with every other nation. And so we can debate this again but the Bible says that we should not be ignorant, right? In verse 3 of Revelation 18, it says that all nations have participated. They have drunk the wine of her wrath. And the kings of the earth have partaken for their profit, right? Including merchants, those who buy, sell, trade, um, all the commodities on the earth. They have all been made rich through this system. Uh, if you notice in verse 3, it does say that all nations are guilty, but it doesn't say all kings or all merchants, meaning there are good people, right? There are good people with the heart of God participating. It's not wrong to participate in these systems. I mean, we need them to survive, but it's your perspective, right? In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says that these things we're not to worry about. Right, The monetary, the politics, the government, clothing, food, shelter. None of that should be our worry. Our worry should be that we are seeking first the kingdom of God. Right, When we seek God first, when we put Him first, for every little detail, the rest of it He puts in place. That's a promise from God. He will take care of the rest. Uh, we don't see that in the world today, right? Men seeking God. We see them seeking everything but God. And so that's what this one world system, this Babylon the Great, right? Operating 
outside of God, in fact, dismissing God altogether. And so here we are told in chapter 18 that a judgment is coming, a great fall, kind of like Humpty Dumpty, right? All the king's horses and all the king's men will not be able to put Babylon together again. And so we got to pay attention. That time's coming. Uh, Verse 4, this is for us, church. He says, And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, lest you receive of her plagues. For her sins have reached to heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Render to her just as she rendered to you, and repay her double according to her works. In the cup which she has mixed, mix double for her. In the measure that she glorified herself and lived luxuriously, in the same measure give her torment and sorrow. For she says in her heart, I sit as queen and am no widow and will not see sorrow. Therefore her plagues will come in one day, death, mourning, and famine, and she will be utterly burned with fire. For strong is the Lord God who judges her. Amen. What is the cry? Come out of her, my people. Right? In this chapter, this is a future reference. These are to tribulation saints that call. But yet knowing this is the future, this is also a call for us. Because there are many who are caught up in today's system. Right? Worrying about will Dodge go to the moon? Worrying about should Elon Musk be allowed to buy Twitter? Right? Or Democrat this, Republican that. Those are these are all men's devices, right? We need to seek God and his heart. God doesn't save Democrats, He doesn't save Republicans. Again, those are men's labels. And in fact, I hate them, right? When people ask you, oh, are you Democrat? No, I'm Christian, right? I go by what Christ says. And so I may agree with some Democratic policies. I may agree with some Republican policies. But ultimately, I don't ascribe myself to either one. I go by what God says. And again, with God, there is no partiality, right? He only sees the heart and those who are his. In fact, all of those labels of men only cause division, and they only cause strife. Um, Turn with me, if you will, to the book of Acts, chapter 2. In this scenario, the apostles are out, right? They're sharing the gospel. This is part of Paul's... uh, or, I'm sorry, Peter's uh, message to the Jews who were assembled uh, in the local square. And Acts 2, starting in verse 37, says this, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. Okay, again, referring to Peter just giving the gospel. right? And, it said to, and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, What shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent 
and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises to you and your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. So think about that, right? Do you believe that? Do you believe that that promise is to you, your children? And, and he says to those who are far off, if you study history, that's us, right? We didn't exist at that time, but now we do. As many as the Lord our God will call. And it says in verse 40, uh, with many other words, Peter testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. And so they had a, a plan, a game plan, right? Given to them by Jesus, by the Holy Spirit. In that one day, 3,000 souls were added, right, by a simple message given by Peter. And then it talks about how they continued every single day studying the doctrine, fellowshipping, eating together, and then in prayer. We need to be doing this daily. Verse 43, it says, Then, they, then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, sold their possessions and good, and divided them among all as anyone had need. So they took care of one another, right? If somebody had more, they gave to somebody who had less. That's, again, hospitality. That's fellowship. That's sharing in prayer. And this is how the gospel advanced. And then uh, if we jump ahead of verse 47, it said, The Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. That's our mission, right? To go out daily and bring the gospel, whether it's words or deeds, right? That's what God desires for us to do. And again, it's a matter of doing this daily. Uh, I know I'm guilty that I don't do this every day. I try. Right? I try to live at least as an example, but sometimes I forget the words. Sometimes I don't share when I should have. And so, Lord, forgive us for that and by His grace and mercy. But that should be our heart to continue daily right, until the Lord calls us home because that's our responsibility. That's our duty to the Lord. And again, when we submit ourselves to God, you know, look what can happen. The Lord added 3,000 in that single day. Uh, another story that I like, it's in Acts chapter 17, verse 6. Um, you don't have to turn there. I'll read it to you. But Paul and his group of believers were in Thessalonica. right? And, and he preached in the temple, the gospel. That was his tradition. That was what was on his heart. And it says that some received... But it also says some became en envious and angry towards them. So they went to chase them, right? They wanted them out. But in 17, Acts 17, verse 6, it says that these who have turned the world upside down 
have come here too. Think about that. That was their testimony, right? They turned the world upside down with the gospel of Christ. Again, I think it's time that we need to get involved, right? It's time to go back and turn the world upside down once again. Amen. We look out there at the news, everyone, they're lost, right? Again, lost without hope. And so it's important that we not get off track, that we do not be too comfortable, right? Again, we're encouraged to be in the world, but not of the world, right? Meaning we are to be leaders in the world, knowing that God is in control. Things in His time are already settled, right? And so we need to simply walk in His grace, in His mercy, in His peace, and demonstrate our love for Him by obeying His commands. Again, He's in control, even though sometimes it looks like He's not. But that's not our job to worry about. Our job is to be obedient to Him. And so, again, Brother Henry mentioned the jet team will be going out, right, this Saturday, next Saturday. Pray. Lord willing, He leads you to go. Right? You might not even need to speak. You may simply just hand a flyer. But you might hand the flyer to the one person who needed it that day. And so it's easy when you put God first to be obedient. And you would be surprised at the things God will do. So again in Revelation chapter 18, her judgment is at hand. Do you guys believe that? Seems like we're closer, right? We're at least closer than we are yesterday. We're closer than we were last year. So the Lord's close to return. Right? The Bible says to look up, pay attention, be ready. Again, God does not want us to be ignorant. And uh, Paul gave this warning to Timothy. You guys want to turn there? I think it's important that we read it together. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. And Timothy was a young pastor, right? Raised up by Paul. And Paul wants to encourage him here to continue on, but to also be ready and not be ignorant. In chapter 3, verse 1 of 2 Timothy, Paul writes, But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. That word perilous means troublesome, hard to bear, harsh, fierce, even savage. That sounds like today, right? I mean, we can almost not walk outside the door without experiencing some sort of evil or chaos. And so... Paul goes on to say, second, uh, second verse, For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power 
and from such people turn away. That's a long list, right? We can go through each one, but I'm not going to. But again, that's describing where we're at today. To me, the one that is most heartbreaking is verse 5. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And we see that with many false Christians, right? Many wolves in sheep's clothing. They're denying the power of the Holy Spirit in their life, right? They may look good on the outside, but on the inside, they're corrupt. And it's sad because many have crept into our church. Not just this church, but the church in general, right? The church in general needs repentance. And so we need to be careful not to commit spiritual adultery. That's what's being judged there in Revelations 18. God is a jealous God. He's not jealous of other gods. He's jealous of you because He loves you. So when we put other things before Him, yeah, He's jealous. And so instead of walking like the world, we need to inspect our walk, right? Today, every day, uh, heed the warning that comes from Psalm 139. Uh, in fact, our brother Rich gave a, a great study on it uh, Sunday. If you missed it, I think you can watch it online. But in that psalm, at the end of the psalm, David cried out, Lord, search my heart and know me, right? Test me is what he was saying. Now, if you're not ready to be tested by God, be careful because he will honor your prayer, right? But test me. Check what's in my heart and see if there is any wicked way in me. Okay? Not only that, but lead me in the way everlasting. And so it's important that we cry out to God. But also important that we listen for His answer. Right? It's the only way that we can live successful. Right? The Bible says many times, He who endures till the end Right? It's, a, it's a long race. And so we need to check daily that we would not go astray. And so soon, very soon, Babylon will come crashing down. Uh, let's go back to chapter 18 of Revelation, verse 9. <clears throat> it says, The kings of the earth who committed fornication and lived luxuriously with her will weep and lament for her when they see the smoke of her burning, standing at a distance for fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour your judgment has come. And so all the world leaders will see, right? And they're weeping and they're lamenting. But what are they weeping and lamenting for? It's not for their sin. It's not because they dishonored God. They're weeping and mourning because that city, everything they invested in, is no longer. And right here, God's actually giving them an opportunity to repent, right? A pause to see what judgment looks like. And they don't. In fact, if you've read through Revelation, you will see all of the events taking place in Revelation, God pauses 
to give opportunity for repentance. And man will not take it. Verse 11, it says, And the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her, for no one buys their merchandise anymore. Merchandise of gold, silver, precious stones, pearls, fine linen, purple, silk, and scarlet, every kind of citron wood, every kind of object of ivory, the most precious wood, bronze, iron, and marble, cinnamon, incense, fragrant oil, frankincense, wine, oil, fine flour, and wheat, cattle, sheep, horses, and chariots, and bodies and souls of men. So everything, type of merchandise that you can think of, right? Clothes, spice, food, animals, vehicles. But look at that last verse, bodies and souls of men. That system is corrupt. It's corrupting men. It's stealing souls. Again, Jesus reminds us in Mark 8.36, What will it profit a man to gain the entire world, yet lose your soul? Again, think about that. Right? You work so hard to accomplish the American dream, to have the car, the house, the family, the friends, the yacht, whatever it is. And in the end, it's consumed by fire, but dust. And now you're lost without hope. There is, it's too late, right? And so again, instead of weeping and mourning over their sin, what are they weeping and mourning over? Market has crashed, right? Nobody buys our goods anymore. And so again, God in His mercy giving them this occasion to repent. But instead, they cry over their merchandise. Guys, if you haven't already, I'm going to just encourage you right now to repent today. Right? Tomorrow is not guaranteed. Draw near to God today. And the Bible says He will draw near to you. Let's continue verse 14. It says, The fruit that your soul longed for has gone from you. And all the things which are rich and splendid have gone from you. You shall find them no more at all. The merchants of these things who become rich by her will stand at a distance for fear of her torment, weeping and wailing, and saying, Alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. For in one hour, such great riches came to nothing. Every shipmaster, all who travel by ship, sailors, and as many as trade on the sea, stood at a distance and cried out when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What is like this great city? And so again, they stand afar off, right? Probably afraid because they see everything they invested in their entire life being consumed with fire. Um, in chapter 17, it describes Babylon as adorned in this fine linen, purple, scarlet, gold, precious stones, and pearls. And so that is the heart 
of the system, right? And it says every shipmaster, whoever sailed by the seas, every trucker, everybody participating in this who did it outside of God is lamenting warm and mourning and weeping. In fact, verse 19 says, they threw dust on their heads and cried out, weeping and wailing and saying, Alas, alas, that great city in which all who had ships on the sea became rich by her wealth. In one hour, she is made desolate. <clears throat> and again, think, think about that, right? In one hour, your entire life consumed, made desolate. Once again, the opportunity from God for repentance, right? Shipmasters, every sailor has an opportunity to repent, but we don't read that here. Instead, we see that they're grieving the loss of their money, their wealth, and their fame all in one hour. <clears throat> Proverbs 10.2 says, Treasures of wickedness profit nothing, but righteousness delivers from death. Righteousness, only found in Christ, can deliver you from death. Again, referring back to Matthew six nineteen and 20, Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Family, I hope your heart is in heaven because that's where your treasure is. Turn with me real quick to 1 Peter chapter 1. I really like how Peter describes what awaits us in heaven. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Peter writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Okay, Before Christ, we had no hope. Right? We were separated apart from God. We had no hope. But because of Jesus Christ, Peter says, we now have this living hope through his resurrection. And not only that, in verse 4 he says, we now have an inheritance, incorruptible and undefiled, that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. So this is not grandma's inheritance. This is not, you know, some little property in the country. Peter says this is an inheritance, incorruptible. Okay, what does that mean? Incorruptible. No moth, no rust. It cannot be destroyed. Nobody can take it from you. Not only that, it's undefiled. There is no sin whatsoever associated with this inheritance. And not only that, it will never fade away. We can never consume it all, right? God, it's an everlasting inheritance. 
guess what? That's reserved for you in heaven. If nothing motivates you, may that motivate you today, right? All everything we see here in front of us today, our cars, our homes, gold, silver, chains, watches, glasses, they're all going to be corrupt. They're all going to be consumed. They are all going to fade away. But we have something even better awaiting for us in heaven. And so we don't need to lie, cheat, steal, participate in this corrupt world system. We have something that is better reserved for us in heaven. If that's still not enough, God says to ask. If you need something more, ask. Right? If you need boldness, ask. If you need faith, ask. And see how faithful God will be. So there's no need to resort to sin. We'll never win that way. Back in our text in Revelation 18, verse 20, the angel says to John, Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you holy apostles and prophets, for God has avenged you on her. And so today it may look like the world is getting its way, right? Sometimes it looks like evil is winning, but it's not, right? One day we will rejoice over the destruction, the corruption has ended, right? The evil is no more, for God has avenged you on her. God has the final say. I'd rather be on his side. Verse 21, it says, Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence, the great city Babylon shall be thrown down. It shall not be... shall not be found anymore. The sound of harpists, musics, musicians... Flutists and trumpeters shall not be heard in you anymore. No craftsman of any craft shall be found in you anymore. The sound of a millstone shall not be heard of you in you anymore. The light of a lamp shall not shine in you anymore. And the voice of the bridegroom and bride shall not be heard in you anymore. This is sad, right? No music, no joy. No craftsmen. There's no work. The millstone, right? To make oil. Olives. It won't be found anymore. Right? The luxury of the earth. And this one is the saddest of all. Verse 23. It says, The light of a lamp shall not shine in you anymore. The voice of the bridegroom and bride shall not be heard on you anymore. This is the last of God's mercy and grace, right? The bride, the bridegroom, Jesus, the church, his people, the light speaking to the Holy Spirit will not be found or heard in you anymore. So utter destruction. It says, for your merchants were the great men of the earth, for by your sorcery all the nations were deceived, and in her was found the blood of prophets and saints, and all who were slain on the earth. Amen. It's so responsible. God is holding 
the world accountable, the corruption, the sin, all responsible for the blood of prophets and saints, responsible for deceiving many men and nations and kings. And so, just to encourage you, Christ is coming again soon, right? We know that. Judgment is coming upon the lost. Church, we got witnessing to do. Because there are still many who are lost. When we get home, we want to be able to hear that phrase, well done, good and faithful servants. Enter the joy of your Lord. Amen. And so, again, we need to pray like we never have before. We need to seek first God's kingdom. We need to listen for His voice. Right? Because He is the one that will guide you. He's the one who gave you those gifts. He's the one who is going to give you what that mission is. Don't just go on your own and try to be successful because you're going to fall. God may teach you something and you may learn from there, but we want to go in God's voice, in God's grace. And ultimately, we need to be sharing God's love, Jesus, His Son, with the dying world.